My name is Logan Dixon, and this is the Monday Morning Megaphone. Hey guys, and welcome to the final episode of the Monday Morning Megaphone. Uh, We started this podcast with me and my wife moving into our house, and now we're ending it in the house we moved into um, for our annual Halloween special. Um, and it's been a ride on the podcast. It's, we've had some good moments, had some good interviews. I probably, I think, um, I think one of the most profound and most significant interviews, uh, we've done is, is when I had Josh Summer on to talk about the nature of God. Um, we had a blast doing that. Uh, we had another podcast where it was you and me on our anniversary. I think we did that last year. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, I'm ending this part of the podcast because I'm, I'm, well, I say this part. I'm ending the Monday morning megaphone as a podcast because I think it's run its course and I've not been consistent with it. That's my fault. And uh, I think it's time for a change aesthetically. And so this week I will be announcing the the new format that the podcast will take. Um, the name of the new podcast will, the name of the new podcast is Acceptable Words, and it's going to start Friday. This Friday? This Friday. Right. Um, first guest is going to be Robbie Willis. I've had him on the podcast twice so far. I think, uh, we've talked about the, we've talked about revival and we've talked about, uh, a book that he wrote about his his lineage on his grandmother and his grandmother's family mm-hmm. and so i'm going to have him on the podcast on saturday and we're going to be talking about a controversial issue in the world of theological scholarship we're going to be talking about the longer ending of mark <clears throat> ah that is an interesting topic and the reason we're the reason we're talking about the longer ending of mark is because i think it's important to address some of the bad arguments out there on the other side mm-hmm. uh me and robbie are both uh uh we're both advocates of the textus receptus um we're both advocates of the textus receptus and so we'll, we are advocating for the longer ending of mark remaining in the text um and so we're going to be talking about that on friday also, I'm going to be uploading the audio from a live stream that I did recently with the caffeinated evangelist himself. Yes. Uh, Matthew, if you do not know who the caffeinated evangelist is, uh, go follow Matthew Kelly. Matthew Kelly is a friend of mine on Facebook. You can find him as the caffeinated evangelist on TikTok. Um, and we had a very healthy, very... Uh, profound conversation about altar calls a while back. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you may have caught that uh, live video. And so um, I'm going to be uploading the audio from that video for the next episode of Acceptable Words. So I've got the first two episodes of Acceptable Words covered. Mm -hmm. And the the way I'm going to work it out is I'm going to record every other Friday two episodes I'm going to stay home on those days. That's not relevant for y'all listening in. That's relevant for her because we share a car. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to stay home on those days. Uh, It's going to be every other Friday. And I'm going to do, I'm going to record an episode in the morning and an episode in the evening. Fair enough. And then I'll upload those. 
I'll upload those episodes, or at least the audio of those episodes on Monday. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching on Facebook, then you get them live. Uh, but if you're listening on the podcast, you're not going to get it until Monday. So you're missing out if you don't subscribe on YouTube or follow the Facebook page. So um, this is our Halloween special, and so we're going to be talking about Halloween. We are. Um, what? And, and of course, if you have been following the podcast for any length of time, you know that we always do a Halloween special. This is our third and will be our final Halloween special, unless I decide to do a Halloween special for acceptable words, which is possible. It is possible. Um, but you know that uh, the last couple of Halloween specials, what we've done is we've talked about what Halloween means to us, and we've talked about why it's appropriate for Christians to celebrate. And we're, re- we're going to be doing that again uh, this year. Come here. My dog wants to talk to you. So. Okay. Poppy. Just because the other dogs are barking doesn't mean you have to bark. His, uh, All right. His grandma's dog's outside, and he has lots to say about whatever's going on out there. Mm-hmm. So she thinks she has to help. Yes. And so we're, we're going to be having none of that. Calm down, doggo. So, um, that's that's kind of the scoop on what we're doing as far as our Halloween special goes. So, one of the things I wanted to bring up, one of the things I wanted to bring up was this article that I saw from Doug Wilson. Uh, Doug Wilson has commented on his thoughts on Halloween, and I kind of agree with where he's coming from on the issue. Uh, so, I wanted to show you the article Um that he that he released on the 24th, so about a week ago, called, okay, so Halloween is almost here again. And I'm not going to read the whole article. If you were to read the whole article, um, it would be about seven and a half minutes long. And, and if you don't like reading, Doug has gone to uh, links to actually record an audio reading of the post. So you can just listen to it if you want to. But that's not what I'm, but that's not what we're going to do. I just want to cover a part of it to kind of talk about my side of the argument, or our side of the argument, rather, of the issue, because when it comes to Halloween, Christians fall in one of two ditches. Um, Christians would Christians tend to take a a more careful legalistic approach. I would call it legalistic. They would take a legalistic approach and say, "Well, you know, it's not appropriate. You shouldn't celebrate Halloween at all. That's the devil's holiday." Um, and they, you know, they and they they call you all kinds of names like pagan, and they tell you your mother's a. They tell you that you're ugly, and your mother dresses you funny if you're a Christian and celebrate Halloween. That's true. Um, or they they could also take another legalistic approach in another direction. Instead of saying it's Satan's holiday, they'll say, well, it's a papist holiday. All Hallows Eve, you know, all All Saints Day, all that stuff is a, is a papist holiday, and so you shouldn't celebrate it because we're Protestants and and Catholics are going to hell and all this stuff. Um. And so we, (laughs) right. And so you shouldn't, you shouldn't celebrate it for one of those two reasons. Um, And so what we're, the approach that we're taking to it is that it's perfectly okay to celebrate Halloween um, because Christ has redeemed Halloween because he has redeemed every day of the year uh, because he is Lord and you just got to deal with it. That's, I mean, that's really the approach that I'm taking. Uh, because here's the thing. When, when Jesus died on the cross, something happened. Um, and what happened was he gained victory over the demonic powers and forces of the world. Um, 
and he hands that victory to the church, which is why the church can do things like celebrate All Saints Day, celebrate uh, celebrate All Saints Day, celebrate, um, you know, um, Halloween, for example. So we can celebrate Halloween. We can celebrate Easter the same way. Not Maybe not the exact same way. I don't want you dressing up like that for Easter. Um, I know. <laughs> well, it's pretty, but... <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't want you dressing up like that for Easter. So you might not celebrate the Halloween, or you might not celebrate Easter in the same manner that you celebrate Halloween, but. Right, the crown's the wrong color. Right, crown's the wrong color. <laughs> um, but you can celebrate it with the same vigor. Because Christ has redeemed the world. Uh, Christ is in the process of redeeming the world. And so because Christ is in the process of redeeming the world, he has victory over everything. And so you can you can dress up, you, your kids can dress up like whatever they want, you know, pro, provided it's not just outrageously vulgar. Um, because darkness has been defeated. And what we're doing is we're making fun of the dark. We're making fun of death. Because it has no hold on us. Um, and that's that's really what Paul does. Paul makes fun of death. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, Paul makes fun of death at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When he says... In 1 Corinthians 15, 54, when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your sting, where death is your victory. And so that's that's Paul, and, you, and you've, heard me, you've heard me say this in the pulpit before, that's Paul looking at death and going, nanny, nanny, baby. That's the same look you gave me in the pulpit when I said that at, at our church. <laughs> um, and so, basically, what I would say is that it's okay to make fun of death. It's okay to make fun of the macabre. Because Jesus literally put death to an open shame on the cross. Um, because what happens, essentially is it's it's the object of death to take things away permanently, right? It's the object of death to take things away permanently. It's it, just like it's the object of Tom to eat Jerry, right? Why is Tom and Jerry hilarious? Well, well it is good stuff, <laughs> but I mean what makes what makes Tom and Jerry funny? Well, it is ridiculous. But what makes it what makes it funny is that is that the 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 stereotypical cat and mouse story is that the cat's supposed to eat the mouse, and you don't see the mouse anymore because the cat's eating the mouse. But what makes Tom and Jerry funny is that Jerry's always getting away. Jerry's always pulling tricks on the cat, and so just like Tom and Jerry's funny for that reason, so it's it's funny when kids dress up as as little macabre things, because, oh, that's cute. Little kid wear, little kid dressing up as a zombie, that's precious. 
<laughs> well, it is free. Well, yeah, that's the point. I mean, it is. It's cute. It's not. It's because that zombie's not going to hurt you. That zombie. That zombie just wants just wants candy. Well, that, that zombie might hurt you if you get between it and candy. You're gonna have to come closer to the microphone. You know, that zombie's not going to hurt you. Um, just like death is not going to hurt you. The macabre is not going to hurt you if you're a believer. That's, and that's where, this, that's where this whole thing comes from. If you're, if you're a believer, then none of this hurts you. None of this affects you. Um, but if you're an unbeliever, then you have every reason to be afraid. Because even when a believer, when a believer encounters suffering... When a believer encounters the effects of sin in the world, the effects on that believer are only temporary. And so that's good stuff. And so this uh, this article I wanted to share, or at least a part of it, from Doug Wilson. He, uh, he says things more eloquently than I can. So here's what he says. He says, approached in the right spirit, the church year... He's referring to, uh, I mean, he's referring to the church here, but he's referring to All Hallows' Eve or All Saints' Day specifically, um, which is where Halloween comes from. Approached in the right spirit, the church year helps us establish a rhythm of holiness. We learn to mark our days with reference to the life of Christ. Our lived experience is defined by the incarnation and the ascension. Instead of a secularized experience marked by Memorial Day and Labor Day, First of all, that sentence right there is so important for churches to understand because I know what it is, and of course I know you know what it is too because you were there with me through it. I know what it is to be in a church trying to teach them the importance of the liturgical calendar, and they're like, oh, well, that, that calendar is just Catholic stuff. Meanwhile, they celebrate Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, Mother's Day, Father's Day. All of these things are rituals to them, and they're following a secularist calendar. And you say, well, okay, well, you're already following a secularist calendar. Why don't you follow a Christian calendar instead? And they just can't get it through their heads. And it's like, well, there's a block there somewhere. Well, I mean, indoctrinated is a strong word. But... That's what comes to mind when I think of how we're taught to observe holidays in the U.S. Um, they're just a part of the year. Mm -hmm. They're a way we use to pass time from the time we're small and some importance, some are more important than others. This, right. This holiday is not very, really considered very important other than really to people who either really like it or really hate it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a very polarizing holiday. Uh, yeah. Um, just from a young age, a lot of importance is placed on all of these holidays. And what what is their importance compared to the holidays on the liturgical calendar or the things we observe on the liturgical calendar? Mm-hmm. Like, arguably, the liturgical calendar should be more important. It should be observed by everybody. Um, it's observed by some Protestants. I believe Catholics follow Lutherans. the liturgical calendar. Um, Lutherans follow it. Anglicans. Anglicans. Um, it seems to be more... Uh, it seems like um, 
denominations that have are more in touch with church history, mm-hmm. like the history of the church, are more likely to be willing to learn about or follow the liturgical calendar than your standard Southern Baptist church. And you can't get mad because I was raised SBC, guys. <laughs> It's true. Well, don't tell me you know what a liturgical calendar is as a child when you grow up SBC. You you don't, and you yeah. you might not even get there by fifty. <laughs> but right. it's important. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up Pentecostal. It was the same way. We knew we knew no such thing. We knew of no such thing as a liturgical calendar. And right, it, and it's not just the liturgical calendar. It's <clears throat> huge swaths of church history that are vitally important to understand the church today right by looking at the church of the past right and they already they already follow the church calendar to some degree because most of those churches will even celebrate christmas and easter right Mm. so they're already following it part of the way but they won't go as far as celebrating lent ash wednesday epiphany uh, you know the feast of pentecost things like that and i think and i think it's because in their minds in in their minds, they and I'll just I will say indoctrinated, they've been indoctrinated to believe that Christmas and Easter are pretty much American holidays, just like Memorial Day and Labor Day. Well, that and all of those other holidays, all of those liturgical events that you mentioned. The first thing that anybody says when I mention those to like Pentecostal people, SBC people, people who don't know much about their church history, they're like. Well, are you Catholic? No, I'm not Catholic. Right. <laughs> not that I think there's anything wrong with being Catholic, but well, okay, that's a large statement. Anyway, another time. Well, you but know. it's it's not just a Catholic thing to celebrate Lent or you know any of that. Ultimately, what Protestants need to realize is that they can have their Ash Wednesday and Sola Fide too. And know what sola fide means. Well, yeah, that's another issue. <laughs> that's another thing, yeah. It, or, or more importantly, the solus Christus, or yeah, <laughs> yeah, any of those other ones, any you, of the five solas. You can have important. your yeah, you can have your Ash Wednesday and sola fide too. That's correct. That's um, correct. And so, so whenever Wilson says our lived experience is defined by the incarnation and the ascension. Instead of a secularized experience marked by Memorial Day and Labor Day, man, that's that's good stuff just by itself. He said, as with everything else, there is a ditch on both sides of this particular road, meaning that the thing can be overdone or not done at all in the spirit of pinched censoriousness. Mm. By the time of a by the time of the high medieval period, the thing was obviously overdone. You couldn't swing a cat without hitting some saint's day or other, and the twenty-eight finger bones of Saint Andrew could be visited all over Europe. <laughs> it was it was a time of great superstition, and over time, the whole thing became suffocating. Two approaches to this suffocating reality then developed. One was the one was what the Protestant reformers did. They paired the church calendar way back, marking a handful of particular days that had reference to the life of Christ. Thus, we got the five evangelical feast days: Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, Ascension, and Pentecost. And so those. Those are generally the five feast days that define reformed uh, the reformed liturgical calendar. So what you're telling me is I need to go to the women's ministry at the church and let them know we need to have potluck on Good Friday, Easter, Ascension, and Pentecost. I would love that, yes. 
<laughs> anything that involves food, right? If it's a feast day, then we feast. <laughs> um, that's how we do Elaine, it. Elaine, if you're watching, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if it's a feast day, you feast. That's the rule. Uh, don't ask me. John Calvin did it. <laughs> Gone was the feast of the martyrdom of the goldfish of St. Dennis. <laughs> um, there were some intramural disagreements among Protestants about how and how much to pair. Calvin, for example, wanted to anchor Christmas to a Sunday, the way we do with Easter, while some of Cromwell's men wanted to patrol the streets of London on Christmas Day in order to detect the smell of anybody cooking a Christmas dinner so that they could bust them. Mm. And so there's, you know... Interesting. Right. So you you can pair it down one of two ways. You can say all right, we're just going to celebrate these days and no more. Or you can say, or you can say, we're just not going to have it at all. Uh, and that, that was kind of what was going on. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll need that again. So, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So here's how I would pare it down. I mean, if we're just talking about liturgical days, here's how I would pare it down. I would say, yes, those feast days are good. Um, but I would also add all, all saints day to that. I don't know if you've noticed this. You probably haven't noticed it because I've not talked about it much. But I do, whenever we, whenever I do the bulletins, I always do whatever Sunday it is. I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah, I front. noticed it on the front. Right. Well, what you may not have noticed is that last is that yesterday, did you notice what I didn't put on the bulletin? Mm -mm. No, because it was upside down. Well, right. Printed there were much down. more obvious flaws. Well, sure. <laughs> That makes sense. For my little brain to look at and focus on. Anyway. What I didn't put on there was Reformation Day. Oh. I, so I recognize Re Reformation Day in the sense that I recognize that that's the day that Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church. And I also chose to sing one of my favorite hymns by Luther. You did. <laughs> we sang A Mighty Fortress is Our God yesterday. But, but I did not put Reformation Day on the church bulletin. Purposefully? Purposefully. Okay, so let's talk about why that is. Yeah, so as far as I was concerned, yesterday was just the 21st Sunday after Pentecost. Okay. And the reason being is because I think if we're going to do the, do the liturgical calendar, mm -hmm. I think that it's appropriate to celebrate the days according to, celebrate the days according to the life and, and ministry of Christ. Reformation Day is not about Jesus. Sorry, sorry, fellow Protestants. It's not about Jesus. Um, it's don't get me wrong. It's an important event in history, and I'm more than willing to don't don't get me wrong. Reformation Day is an important event in history, and I'm grateful for the life and ministry of Martin Luther. But ultimately, it's not about Jesus, which is why I don't celebrate it as a liturgical day. That makes but what I will do, and I'm going to do it this Sunday, is on our church bulletin, instead of putting the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, I'm going to put All Saints Day on it. So I would, so including the typical five feast days that Wilson just mentioned, Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, Ascension, and Pentecost, I would also add to that All Saints Day. And the reason I would add All Saints Day to that is because that does have to do with the ministry of Christ. That be, because it has to do with what Christ does for those whom he died for. He, what, is, what does he do for those whom he died for? He makes them saints. And so on All Saints Day, what we do is we recognize the saints who have gone before us. 
We recognize the fact that we are sanctified because of Christ's work for us. Um, and what I'll typically do, I won't do it this Sunday, but what I'll typically do is preach a special All Saints Day sermon. I've done that the last couple of years. Um, this Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on, since it's also Election Day, and now, now I know what I know what I just said, but I feel <laughs> inclined to preach a sermon oh, because of Election Day. Oh, as long as you realize, as long as you realize the hypocrisy of that. Oh, I real, oh, I'm a giant hypocrite. Okay. I, as long as you acknowledge it. I acknowledge that I'm a giant hypocrite. Uh, but the reason I feel inclined to the reason I feel inclined to preach an election day sermon this year is because All Saints Day, while it is relevant to our people, I feel like politics is unfortunately more relevant to our people. And so issues like that you have to address in the pulpit. Um and so that's what I'm going to be doing this Sunday for so if you if you if you're in my church and you happen to catch this, uh, just know that this Sunday we're going to be in Proverbs 29, and I'm going to talk about what makes godly leaders godly leaders and what makes wicked leaders wicked leaders. That's that's, that's okay. All right, fair enough. Um, so yes, I'm a giant hypocrite, but it's for a good cause. Okay, fair enough. Yes. Um, and so that's that's kind of where we stand on this issue. Um, if we go back to the article. Um, so, um, Wilson talks about how they pared down the holidays to the five major feast days. And, uh, Wilson says, now, just as I had a little fun with the goldfish of St. Dennis, so also the friends of an overstuffed church calendar have had a little merriment and fun with Cromwell's men and their efforts at a pious buzzkill. But whether you were a Protestant or not, you still had to deal with the suffocation factor. The Protestant effort had been to make the holidays more like original holy days, and that meant doing it less and doing it right. The alternative custom that developed was to grant, with a wink and a nod, certain limited holidays from holiness. Those are the two options, fewer holy days of holiness or more holidays from holiness. This is best illustrated with another event from the swollen and overgrown church calendar, which would be Mardi Gras. Uh, this is the period right before Lent, which is a period of abstinence and penance leading up to Easter because of the giving up part of Lent, Mardi Gras became a blowout time where you got all your sinning in before Lent. Get your sinning done before the deadline. Thus, if you want, as part of your observance of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus from the dead, and I can scarcely believe I am writing this, you can go to New Orleans during Mardi Gras to get glued, screwed, and tattooed. There would appear to be a disconnect somewhere in the, in the thought processes of a whole lot of people. So basically what Wilson is saying is that what happened is when, when you've got an overstuffed calendar, sometimes the reason Protestants are hard on Halloween is because they feel like it's part of an overstuffed calendar, right? Mm -hmm. They feel like All Saints Day is part of an overstuffed calendar. So what they do to avoid sin on those days is they just don't celebrate it at all. Uh, like Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is Fat Tuesday. You heard of Fat Tuesday. Yes. Okay. So Fat Tuesday is the day you're supposed to fatten up on the stuff that you're going to abstain from, abstain from Lent. Um, and of course that gets turned into Mardi Gras celebrations of drunken, drunkenness and riotousness in New Orleans and, um, and everywhere else. And, everywhere else. and what I think is interesting <laughs> is that most of the people who actually celebrate Mardi Gras with that wild and rambunctious style that, that Wilson described, um, they're not actually celebrating Lent either. 
They're just going down to Mardi Gras as an excuse to keep sinning. Well, I mean, that's like human nature, isn't it? Right. You mean, I can just use this week to participate in much personal and group debauchery as possible? Cool, sign me up, right? <laughs> that's, that's our mindset um, as human beings. Like, that's why we need God. <laughs> because that's our default setting. Right. Is to want those, honestly, just destructive in the long run, really even in the short run, things. They're so destructive to yourself, your body, your personal life, your life with your family, your life with your friends, unless your friends are all doing that too, but they're probably not your friends if they are. Right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and so basically, basically Wilson is addressing the issue of an overstuffed calendar. And the reason a lot of people don't celebrate Halloween is because they feel it's part of that overstuffed calendar system. Mm. Um, I really don't feel like that's why a lot of people don't celebrate Halloween, though. Especially as somebody who lives in the South. It's people who think it's evil. Yeah. And people who claim the Church of Satan celebrates it, by the way. Sure they do, but they don't worship Satan. Just saying. Um, <laughs> they do by default, but they like, don't. Right. They do by default because they don't worship God. But that's like saying Satanists worship Easter. Are you... I, I'm... So that's like saying Satanists celebrate Easter. Yeah, they do, but they do it for a different reason. Right. Right? What's your reason for celebrating a holiday? That's that's probably what's more important than anything. Right, that's the issue. And Wilson addresses that later on because um, Wilson will say, Wilson will say later, um, when he gets to the final part of the article and kind of gets to the application of everything he just said, he said, so the principle for parents at Halloween is that it should not be considered a timeout from our regular standards of what constitutes godliness. So it shouldn't be like what it shouldn't be Mardi Gras. Yeah. Uh, your kids can dress up as something fun because that's always lawful. But why on earth would you want them to dress up as something gross or vile or macabre, gruesome or cadaverous or ghastly or morbid? Well, to Wilson, I would say that's because they're making fun of it. Yeah. So I wouldn't go the I wouldn't go as as. I wouldn't go as conservative as Wilson would on this issue. I also wouldn't go as conservative as Wilson would on a lot of issues. Ah, uh, yeah, that's an understatement. I love Dougie Doug, but some of the things he says, especially as a female, oh yeah, make it's, me uncomfy. It's it's, <laughs> it's quite uncomfy. Very uncomfy. But other I, than that, solid guy. Yeah, but but I see what he's getting at. I do too. Uh, we should, he said, he said, uh, we should, of course, not object to feasts or festivities, mm -hmm. and so we do not. Mm -hmm. But when it threatens to become a carnival of sin, we object not to the carnival, but to the sin. Mm. I think I, I love that line, by the way. Really? When, when it threatens to become a carnival of sin, we object not to the carnival, but to but the, the sin. sin. Okay. This means that a fall carnival for the kids with games and candy and costumes is more than appropriate, and call it whatever you want to so long as your naming of it does not make kids want to come as a vampire or a zombie or a hooker. The first two, cool. Last one, probably not good. Right. <laughs> and so that's, that's, that's kind of how I think it becomes a whole issue of, that's how I think it becomes a whole issue of it's a holiday from holiness. Hmm. Right? So that's, you know that that's kind of that that's kind of really the issue 
<clears throat> so do you have any thoughts on Halloween? Me personally? Um, are you sharing that live? No, I'm not sharing that live. I mean, not like it's anything bad, but <laughs> it's just they probably don't want to look at your Facebook. Well, no. Um, I obviously am celebrating Halloween. I'm. What did you do to celebrate Halloween? I wore a fun costume with my friends at work in my Christian workplace. So you don't you don't normally wear the crown and the black lipstick and stuff? I mean, not normally. I don't see anything wrong with either one, other than they're not particularly professional for me to wear at the pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> at home, who cares? <laughs> but I wouldn't wear it at work. Right. This is for me. I did this for me. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. I made this for me. I made this with my own two hands. I painted my face like this. I did it because it was enjoyable and it didn't detriment my relationship with Christ. Yes. So, there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's what, that's what it comes down to. And, and here's the issue. Here's what we're not going to say. We're not going to say that people who choose to abstain from Halloween are bleh, you know, all legalistic, uh, terrible people. No. They're they're not they're not John MacArthur, right? No, they're they're just honestly they're trying to follow what they feel is the way the Christians should behave, and what they're doing is not harmful either. Um, I think it kind of falls under the category of you know eating or not eating food sacrificed to idols, right? That's that's, that's the way I see the celebration or not celebrating yeah. Halloween or any holiday. Yeah. And, uh, no, I get it. I get it. Uh, and to me, I think the way I celebrate Halloween, I mean, obviously I didn't dress up. That's because I couldn't find a costume. You know, I didn't want to look like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't want to look like a fat version of something that's not fat. <laughs> uh, so hey, I didn't. nothing wrong with that. Well, <laughs> you know, except for your arteries, anyway. Right. So I, I just didn't, I didn't dress up for Halloween, but I did want to celebrate it in some way, shape, or form. And this is our way of celebrating Halloween, which I think is fairly harmless. Well, yeah, and it reminded me today that we don't really have a yearly Halloween tradition. I mean, we kind of do, but... Well, this has become it. It has, but I mean, another part of the celebration that we do that we don't really plan for, but we always wind up doing it anyway, is we go back and watch the Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episodes. Yeah, we do do that sometimes. Um, we do that sometimes when it's not Halloween, too, yeah. just because they're short and they're stupid and they give you a giggle. Oh, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're hilarious. Uh, like, I saw a clip. <laughs> I saw a clip of uh, Ned Flanders dressed up as a devil, and he was tempting Homer to eat a donut. Ah, uh, yeah. And it was like one of the first Treehouse of Horror episodes. Yeah. And uh, he told Homer if he ate the donut, he would have his soul. And Homer ate all but one little bite of the donut, and he said, so what you're telling me is if I don't eat this bite, this last bite, you don't have my soul. And the devil, Ned Flanders' devil goes, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, so Homer kept that one little bite. In a glass dome. In a glass in dome. In the refrigerator. I remember that, yes. And <laughs> and then he and then he woke up in the middle of the night, and in his half-asleep uh, hunger... He wound uh, yeah, up eating. Sleep eating. Sleep eating. 
And then his punishment in hell was just to eat donuts forever. And they're like, we ran out of donuts. And he's just still scarfing them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And see, Cookiness is good. and see, a, a, a Christian, a, a, you know, I'm not going to say all Christians. I'm not going to say all Christians who abstain from Halloween. But some Christians will look at that, you know, because they have a stick in their rectum. Yes. And they'll say, oh, see, that's what the world thinks of hell. The world thinks hell is just a big joke. Well, let me tell you, as a believer who will not go to hell when they die, hell's a big joke. It's, I mean, it's not a big joke to people who wind up there, but it's a big joke to me because I'm not going there. I've been saved from going there. Death is a big joke to me. Destruction is a big joke to me because Christ has saved me and, and through sanctification, he is ordering my life. That's pretty good stuff. So, yeah. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, I think it's pretty good stuff. That's how, that's how Dallas Willard defines glory, by the way. Pretty good stuff? Yeah. We were in, in men's The group. other D. Willie. Yes, the other D. Willie. We have, there's two D. Willies. The that OG I, D. Willie. There's two D. Willies that I admire. <laughs> Douglas Wilson and Dallas Willard. The, they are the two D. Willies. That, that's not foreshadowing. No. That's his text message. It is. That's my text message. Time. Mute his phone. Oh, well. <laughs> so, um, in, men's, in men's Bible study group, we were going through Dallas Willard's Divine Conspiracy Lectures when he was talking about the Kingdom of God. By the way, if you're listening to this, you need to go watch Dallas Willard's Divine Conspiracy Lectures on YouTube. Like, or maybe just read it because, and I mean this in the most loving way, he has a very soothing voice. He does. So if you can't sleep, go listen to it. Right. <laughs> because you, he, he, will, he will lull you to sleep with his very soothing grandfatherly demeanor and and calming voice. But one of the things about <laughs> Dallas Willard that people need to know is that he's got a good definition for everything. Yeah, he, he really kind of does. <laughs> he's got a solid definition for everything. And so he's going through this part of the lecture and he's defining all of the Christianese words that we take for granted, right? He's he's defining he's defining grace and, and works and things like that. One of the things he says is that uh, grace is not opposed to effort; it is opposed to earning, right? And so that that's important, yes. Right. Yes. And so he he takes he takes earning out of the equation. Um. And so he's got all of these. He's got all of these def really good definitions for all of these Christianese words. And so he starts talking about the glory of God and how we live to the glory he's, of God and how we share. very helpful if you do not speak heavy theologian. Right. Like I do not. I'm not fluent in it like this guy. And so he's, he's talking <laughs> he's about he's talking about the glory of God. And he talks about how we're living to the glory of God and how we share in the glory of God. And... He's like, he finally gets to a point in the lecture where he's like, okay, and how would we say, or what would we say that, that glory is? And he kind of looks around for a minute and goes, glory is, well, let me see if I can do a D. Willie impersonation. Glory is pretty good stuff. <laughs> We're just going to get a shirt that says that with D. Willie on it. By, by the way. <laughs> Somebody we, needs to design that. Our friend Chance got married uh, while we were still going through the Divine Conspiracy Lectures. Mm. 
And during the wedding sermon, Pastor Mike Lowenberg. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he he referenced that in his in the wedding sermon because it made it made all of the men at the wedding crack up because we were sitting through those lectures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mike, during the wedding sermon, goes, "What is love?" And he starts bringing all these references of love from pop culture, uh-huh. which were hilarious. Yes, they and then were he said, good. "Altogether, love is pretty good stuff." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I particularly liked where he said, "What has love got to do? Got to do? Got to do with it?" <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was easily the best wedding and, uh, sermon I think I've ever heard. William Shatnerese. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is easily the best wedding sermon i think i've ever heard <laughs> so do you want to um maybe answer some of these questions i pulled some out that i thought looked interesting or okay we can keep talking about this whatever you think let's close the show the final episode of the monday morning megaphone by looking at a few questions from Poddex. Shout out to Poddex. Hashtag Poddex. He is not endorsed or sponsored by Poddex. Not yet. But he could be. (laughs) Travis Brown, hit me up, boy. (laughs) All right. Would you like to ask a question or would you like me to ask a question? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, you want me to ask a question? Are you going to pick some out? I will pick at random one question. Well, then pick from these, because these were all really interesting ones that are relevant. (laughs) This is a good one, though. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. What would be the creepiest thing you could say while passing a stranger on the street? I think your dad um, has a really good one for this. Oh? Thulo. (laughs) Thulo. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? (laughs) Just do it, Logan. (laughs) You smell like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you tell me of a big, what, is a barbarian, seven-foot ripped guy stopped to sniff your hair uh-huh. and told you you smelled like flowers. You told me you would wet your pants right there and then. <laughs> okay, so what, what my <laughs> wife is referencing is that one time I was uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, yeah, I play Dungeons & Dragons, by the way. Uh, Go ahead and cancel me now, even jellyfish culture. Um, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons with my dad one time, and he made this character. He was rolling, he was going to make a barbarian and play as a barbarian. And the story behind it is that while he was rolling stats for the barbarian, he was just rolling straight, you know, D20s and stuff. He rolled four ones because he, you know, rolled. He rolled four ones. And so this barbarian, this poor barbarian was going to have an intel of four. And dad at first was like, I got to re-roll that. And then he was like, no, I don't. You know what? I'll roll it. Yeah. Literally. He did. And he did. And so this poor seven and a half foot barbarian (laughs) had an intel of four. And he had a crush on an elf in our party. And every time he saw her, he would lean down, sniff her hair, real big sniff, because he's a giant, and goes, you smell like flowers. That that would probably be the creepiest thing. Oh, yeah. Or smell like anything else in particular. Let's see. Here. 
to ask you, Any, or you want to ask me? I will ask you, but you pick it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is a good one for both of us. Which words or phrases do you most overuse on a daily basis? Oh, that's a good question. I think you're going to have to answer that one for me, because I don't really pay attention. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I think you're going to have to answer that one for me, because I don't pay attention to the words or phrases that I use. Well, actually... Well, actually... Yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> Overuse that. Well, uh, actually... Yeah, all the time. Um, hey, look at this funny TikTok I found. <laughs> okay, that doesn't count. What words or phrases in conversation do I overuse? <laughs> okay. I don't have an answer for you, but I have, I have a pretty funny... Well, I guess maybe not funny, but it's funny if you know me because I apologize way too much. So to compensate for apologizing way too much when I talk, I try, I've try. tried to stop saying sorry all the time. And now I just say, that's fair. That's, yeah, what, well, okay, I do that too. Whether, whether or not it is in fact fair or has, fairness has anything to do with it, I panic because I don't know how to people it. Oh, that's fair. That's it. Just like that. Yep. That's a good response. Yep. Uh, that's, I say that's fair a lot. If if I am talking to you and I say, that's fair, it's nothing personal. You just need to know I'm mentally struggling. <laughs> yeah. My brain has run out of things to say that aren't completely off the wall. Like, yeah. Did you know that daddy long legs aren't spiders? They're opilions. <laughs> right. Doesn't make any sense. Not attached to the conversation in any way, but that's what's in my brain. <laughs> Boy. Life of a neurodivergent. Anyway, continue. Your turn. <laughs> uh, have you ever had a this can't be happening moment? What was it? I don't think you want me to talk about that on the podcast. Oh. Okay. Um, all I'm going to say, and you'll know if you know, because he's told this story to our friends, but we might not want to tell it to the internet. Chilies. Oh, no. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I didn't think so. No. Not once, but twice on that note. I don't want to talk about chilies. Yeah, I didn't think you did. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. If there was a sandwich named after you, what would be on it? It would be on your sandwich. Baloney and bull... Bull testicles, got it. There we go. <laughs> Quite ballsy of you, Wendell. That's bold! Just very bold. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, you know you know. Yes, if you know you know on that one. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> if I had a sandwich, it would either be some kind of peanut butter and jelly with an off-the-wall ingredient in it, like bacon jam. Um, or it would be like a vegetarian sandwich on fancy bread, because those are both things I eat on a, on a, on a regular basis and enjoy. Hear me out. Toast. Okay. Like, it, it can be, it can be for white. me or you? Me, me. For you, okay, okay. Well, it can be for you, too. It's got well, turkey on it. If it's for you, it's going to be white toast. Yeah. Well, it can be any kind of toast. <laughs> toast. 
jalapeno jam. Toast, jalapeno jam. Mm -hmm. Turkey. Okay, we're good so far. Swiss. Good so far. You can put veg on it if you want to, but that's the main. That's the main? Okay, then we gotta have some tomato with black pepper on it. Freshly ground black pepper, always. Yes. And on my half of the sandwich, free shavakadu. <laughs> oh! Because I know you hate avocado. and it's Fresh my... avocado. Free shavakadu. Free shavakadu. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> my, my brain consists of like 15 memes from 10 years oh, ago. Oh gosh, I know. That's Me it. too. <laughs> Apparently kids today think memes are cringe. Oh gosh. Well, we're based. What do oh, they know? Oh, not memes. GIFs. It's GIFs. Oh, they think GIFs are cringe? They think GIFs are cringe. Well, they're, they're cringe. Agree. Agree. We're losing our older audience here. Nah, I don't care. Um, look at the numbers. We got, we got one person watching. That's Hi. it. We're glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, we are glad you're here, but you're, you're it. Like you're, you're the only person who cares right now. I think it's Kayla. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> I, I think it is too. Hi, Kayla. Sorry, we didn't see your comment until just now, but. What is your most treasured? <laughs> it is Kayla. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. What is your most treasured possession? What is your most treasured possession? My most treasured possession is something really weird. What? I have a comfort item that I cannot sleep without. And I probably should sleep without it because I'm sure it's got face mites and all kinds of gross stuff on it because it is a pillow that is literally older than I am because it used to be my mom's comfort item. And... Long story short, won't get into my backstory, but, you know, we didn't have the best childhood, so mom gave it to me, and it kind of became my anchor that got me through all of the crazy crap we went through as kids. Mm. So, even today as an adult, it is in my bed. If I can't find it, I cannot sleep. Like, I forgot it one time when we went somewhere for a weekend, and I couldn't sleep. I legitimately could not sleep. If I lost that thing, I don't know what I'd do. I'd fig I figure it out. I'd cope eventually, but I can't sleep without it right now. <laughs> What's your most treasured possession? You are. Oh, you're so full. Of <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to pull. I wanted to say that to make you feel yeah, bad. You wanted to try to get brownie points. Yeah. I'm not a possession. I'm your wife. My wife. Yes. Yes. So. I don't know. That's pretty hard because I don't know if there's many things that I attach myself to uh, or allow, that I allow to be attached to me personally. Well, um, I, I disagree with that because you have lots of junk. That you well, have. I do have lots of junk, but I, I, it's it's junk that I could live without if it got burned up in a fire, right? Well, yeah, that's anything, though. Well, I know, but I mean, there's some junk that... there's There's some junk that you would be more disappointed with if I don't have my phone, Kayla. Sorry. Yeah. It's there, it's dead charging in the other room. <laughs> there's some junk that you'd be more disappointed with if it burned up than other items. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I guess my point is is if it were just to suddenly disappear and you wouldn't know or miss it until you thought about it, then maybe you don't need to have it. 
Well, right. But it's just crap. It is. <laughs> you know, you know what you acquire after you move so many times? Crap. You acquire crap, and crap. you find out how much crap you have when you move, and then you get rid of crap. All so here's the deal: with the exception of your bed and your cooking, you with the exception of your bed and a place to cook food mm. and a toilet, all your house is is a big box to put your crap in. Yeah. I guess that's, that's kind that's, of boiling it down. George Carlin did a whole bit about it. It can't be I, wrong. I believe George Carlin did a whole bit about it. That doesn't mean it's right just because George Carlin said it. Oh, no. George Carlin's infallible. Let's see. All right. Uh, also, Kayla wants you to know that that's cringe. You do not own me. <laughs> eh, it's okay. Don't care. He does. I own him, too, though, and he knows it. Yep. Owning your spouse is based. I said what I said. <laughs> Proudly toxic. <laughs> Creamy or chunky peanut butter, dude? I think you know. <laughs> I don't have top teeth. What do you think? I just thought it'd be a funny question to ask. That's what I thought. I think it's an obvious question to ask is what it is. All right. Well, here's a better question. Pizza rolls or pizza bagels? Mini pizza bagels. Again, no top teeth pizza rolls. Any pizza bagels? Without nope. top teeth? I mean, I guess you can if you nuke them, but if you cook them like you're supposed to, you probably could. That's the thing. I've never had I've never had pizza bagels that I could chew very well. Most of most of the pizza bagels I've ever eaten, um, <laughs> most of the pizza bagels I've ever eaten, I've had to scrape the toppings off. Mm. Pizza bagels, solid choice, Kayla. Kayla said pizza bagels. I agree. I can see the appeal of pizza bagels. Matter of fact, if if you were to, I bet I could make. By the way. Feel free to comment at any time. It will show up no matter where you're commenting from, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Facebook. If you're which whichever Facebook page you're following from, your your comment will show up and we can read it. So the issue is I see the appeal of pizza bagels. Mm. Um so people like people just tuning in, I promise he's going somewhere with I this. see the appeal of pizza bagels. <laughs> Especially if you take a, a regular bagel and make it yourself. Like if you take a regular bagel and you and you put the sauce and the toppings on it yourself and you make it in the toaster oven, I see the appeal. But I don't like the microwave pizza bagels. Uh, okay, I see Josh's comment. Um, the question, hello, son. The, the question, yes, hello, son. It's been a while. Um, the question is pizza rolls or pizza bagels? Which one's objectively better? Which one's better? Yeah. And I... So I'm going to say pizza rolls. Pizza rolls for you? I like pizza bagels, personally. Um, I'm going to look at a would you rather or a different one. I'll go ahead and put a would you rather. That's fun. Would you rather your fingers always be sticky or your throat always feel itchy. Oh God, <laughs> I don't like either one of those. Is let's up the ante. You cannot do anything about either one. Gross. You cannot unsticky your fingers, and you cannot unitchy your throat. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say throat because throat. yeah, I can't I can't stand for anything to be on my fingers. Okay, Josh has declared that pizza rolls are superior. That's my boy. 
I, he probably he just after his father, he, he he probably <laughs> just said that because he needs some fatherly affirmation in his life. Um, Okay, Kayla and Josh both agree that sticky fingers. I don't. I gotta know. go with throat. Even as somebody who likes to sing, same. Here's why: I know myself well enough to know that I will get used to having an itchy throat. I will not get used to having sticky fingers. Agree. And I do far too many things with. My... Look at this! Look, I would have to shave my head bald <laughs> to not be stuck to this every morning when I. Would... This is what I was looking yeah, No, not working. Not working, guys. <laughs> I think we've done this one before, but it's always funny. Would you rather spend the night in a dumpster or a porta potty? Porta potty. Porta potty? Porta potty. Okay. I know what I know generally what's in a porta potty. That's true. You know generally what's in a porta potty and you can lock the door. That's correct. Um but there's no room to lay down. Where is the dumpster? That's a good question. Behind the most ghetto Chinese restaurant in town, Josh. That's where it's at. <laughs> so Josh wants to know where's the dumpster. That's a, that's yeah. Like if so, let's let's just go. go let's just go with with what Brittany said just now, um, or Blair, if you work with her, I call her Brittany. Yeah. Um. It's behind the most. It's it's behind the most ghetto Chinese restaurant. So let's just say they're not adhering to health standards. Um, there's a lot of smells. There's a lot of smells. There's a lot of foods. Mm -hmm. They're they're cooking some pork and chicken that might not be pork or chicken. If you catch my drift. Not cool, bro. Um, he's already answered your question, so there you go. Porta potty. And Kayla says questions can't live with the itch fingers i could annoy more people that's true <laughs> you could annoy more. i don't know coughing's pretty annoying it <laughs> like is if you cannot stop and it's also annoying to other people who have to listen to you not be able to stop here's a here's a question that both of us have to answer Move, moving on from this because i'm tired okay. yeah moving on moving on i don't want to talk about this it's my podcast. I can do what I want. <laughs> what belongs on everyone's bookshelf? Well, I mean, the obvious thing to say here yeah, would be the, the Bible. The Bible. Yeah, I know. We're going to Jesus. It's in the Bible. We're going to Jesus juke people. Okay. Besides the Bible, what's the most important book? that you can find on somebody's bookshelf. I'm going to say Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. That's a good one. Mine's also C.S. Lewis. I was going to say The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. This, those are both by C.S. Lewis. Solid guy. Solid image of, imagery of the gospel in both of them. Um, I think it's a little bit easier to see it in Logan's book, Wendell's book, because his is actually meant to be, you know, straightforward whereas mine your mine is meant for children to teach them about god yeah so i would say that uh i would say i would say mere christianity by c.s lewis i would say mere christianity by c.s lewis has to be on everyone's bookshelf um well if you're a thinker that is 
Which, of course, you know, if you're Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, that's that's also a book that requires thinking, too. I don't mean that. Um, he meant, are you a fiction or a non-fiction person? Right. If you're more angled towards fiction, mine's better. If, yeah. If that's not your, if that's not your groove, his might be better. Right brain, left brain. Let's think about it that way. Um, I don't know which, I can't remember which side. Oh, right brain is like more logical, straightforward, isn't it? Or is that left brain? I mean, yes and no, because there's a lot of things that go on between both of those. Well, okay. So, I mean, you can't, that's kind of old science, but yes. Well, I'm an old fart. So, (laughs) if you're more, if you're more right brain, assuming that's the logical part, then, then CS, then... Mere Christianity. If you're more left brain, which is the more artsy fartsy stuff, then Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. Uh, but both of them tell us the same basic story. But the story behind Mere Christianity is is well, it's it's what fascinates me mostly. Not I mean the book itself is really good too, but what story what fascinates me is what led up to Lewis writing Mere Christianity. Because originally it wasn't a book. Uh, it was it, it was a transcribed series of radio addresses that C.S. Lewis gave. That's really cool. Basically, what happened was during World War II, um, the Prime Minister I can't I think it was the Prime Minister, it was either the Prime Minister or someone really high up in Parliament came to C.S. Lewis because he was kind of known at that point, and he said, "Listen, London needs hope because we're in the middle of a war. What can you say to the people if we put you on the radio for twenty minutes a week?" And each chapter is one of his talks. And so basically the, the way C.S. Lewis thought about it was, okay, if I have 20 minutes on the radio a week with all of England um, and I have this limited amount of time, what's the most important information that I can give them? And that's what became of, that. that's how we got mere Christianity. Yeah, I could tell you how we got the line, which in the wardrobe, but I think that's pretty well known that C.S. Lewis had stepchildren he wanted to teach them about god so mm-hmm. he wrote the chronicles of narnia um these are basically a more filled out version of the story he used to tell his stepchildren at night yeah also side fact c.s lewis had really weird nipples oh my gosh if you can find a picture you oh my find gosh a picture why did you mention that because they're like in his armpits i cannot think about c.s lewis without thinking about his oddly shaped and they're huge and where they're at everyone's why? everyone's gonna want to know why in the armpit because of chance chance yeah. it's your fault it is chance's fault chance found a <laughs> chance found somehow found an old picture of c.s lewis he was swimming in a creek or a river or the sea i suppose since he lived in england right he was he was swimming somewhere and so saw c.s lewis shirtless and his nipples were like over here they, they really weirdly placed, guys. Right. <laughs> Josh says challenge accepted. If you if, can find that picture, send it to Logan because we have not been able to find it since. No, Chance saw it in a book. We, we haven't been able to find it online. Mm. It is it is lost media. Okay. Matter of fact, if you go to r slash lost media and ask for someone to find it for you, you might come up with it. Let's move on to a new question. Okay, this will be our last question. We've been on for over an hour. Oh, have we? Wow. Cool. 
Thanks for hanging in there, guys. I can't think of Tim Curry the same. Yeah. What? Okay. Tim Curry. What? Why did Tim Curry come up? Ooh, I don't know. What? Kayla, can you explain your thought process on Tim Curry? Well, while you do that, or don't do that, it's up to you. You're an adult. That's probably going to get edited out because we weren't talking about Tim Curry. Um, what's the most embarrassing or worst thing your parents, grandparents, some kind of parental or authoritarian figure in your life ever caught you doing? Well, I mean, there's the obvious answer that I think everyone gets caught doing. But... I'm not going to go there. Um, anyway. I will say, I, I wouldn't say caught doing, but I will say the most embarrassing thing um, that a parental authority has done. Mm. And this is, it's embarrassing. Like it's like, you know how you don't like cringe humor or you do not, you know how you don't like, uh, uh, cringy situations where you're embarrassed for people. Yeah. Like sometimes I have to stop watching Frasier because. Yeah. Sometimes I do too because he will do something that causes him to wear his butt in such a way that I just can't watch any longer. Okay, so this is a real life situation that happened. Um, when I was twenty, sorry. When I was twenty-two or 23. I don't remember how old I was. It was my birthday. My birthday's in two days, by the way. So this will be the anniversary of this event. Um, it was my birthday, and I had started attending a church, and this church had been like a haven to me for a while. And this was one of the situations that that really caused me to lean on them uh, because they helped me help me through this. Um, my mother, if you, if you I'm not going to go into the details, but if you know the kind of relationship I have with my mother, then, well, then, you know, um, in my mother's mind, I'm always a kid. Um, and I know, what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, you know, she's your mother. Uh, you're always going to be a kid in her mind. No, no, no. You don't, you don't understand. My mother is mentally deranged. She's mentally sick. She's ill. And so in her mind, I'm still a kid. And what that meant for her on this particular day is she called some of the people I went to church with, got a hold of them through Facebook, did something, and she told them she wanted to have a surprise party for me. Well, luckily, the people who I went to church with at that time, they either understood, they either, they either believed me whenever I told them how, how my mother was, or they kind of got the impression by talking to her, which would be hard. Easy, yeah. Is easy, yeah. Basically, she got a hold of some folks from the church and said she wanted to have a surprise party for me at the church. Um, and they okayed it, but with some reservations. Um, and so what my mother did, and this is, again, this 
this caused great amount of embarrassment to me. Um, if she bought me like a children's WWE birthday cake and set everything up there at the church. And what really gave me a great amount of confidence was that the people she got a hold of at the time called me ahead so I wouldn't be so embarrassed in the moment. They called me ahead of time and told me what she was planning on doing. Uh, and so they were like, you know, when she does this, you, you might want to act surprised for her sake. Uh, but this is what she's going to do. And we understand that it's, we understand it's kind of an embarrassing thing. Um, so they, it was, an, it was an embarrassing situation because she gave me a children, I'm 23 years old. And in front of the girl I was dating at the time and in front of my church family, she gave me a children's birthday party. No. That's concerning. Yeah. Um, and I think I don't I don't know this for sure. Uh, but I heard that some of the ladies of the church who were there actually took her aside and gave her a talking to. I, I think that's what happened. Um, that just that's just some of the because of, because of the impression that I got. Um, and so that's probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. I see. And I, and I, that's the only way, and I know that's not giving much detail as to actually what happened, but that's the only way I can describe it, is, is my mother gave me, a full-grown man, a children's party in front of my friends and family at that time. Yeah. Well, to end on a happier note, um, Poppy, don't bark, please. Poppy, why are you being a jerk? My dog does not respect me one bit. <laughs> well, she because she's not quiet. My she? my dog doesn't care that I'm that I'm that we're recording. Well, to end on a happier note, anyway, uh, the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me is when I was ten. <laughs> Um, the bathrooms were being worked on at the church and the only one that was not being worked on was all the way on the other side of the church and I didn't make it. It was VBS. I peed my pants in front of everybody at VBS when I was 10 and went home after that and didn't come back. <laughs> at my home church. And that was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. You can laugh. I can laugh now. It was funny. It, well, I would say, okay, so to end on a happier note, I, it was embarrassing at the time. Uh, well, okay, it was embarrassing for a long time when I looked back on it. But then I forgave myself because I was in the first grade when it happened. I don't know what possessed me to do so. I was in first grade. That's, that's the only explanation I have. Um... I was standing in line at, to go to the teacher's desk because we were doing something that required us one by one to go up to the teacher's desk 
and talk to her about something or, you know, do some activity. And I was standing in line waiting for, waiting to see the teacher. And I don't know what possessed me, but when it was my turn to go up to the teacher's desk, I just thought it would be funny to pull my pants down and just go up there pantsless. Okay. <laughs> That's a choice. I was in first grade. I have no clue why I did that. And also because I saw it, you guys should see it too. This, I just think it's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty special. Take that off there. <laughs> special. Make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> I said something to Kayla in our group chat the other day. Okay. And she goes, uh, and she, I can't remember the exact wording, but she said something to the effect of, that's disturbing. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like, I've known Kayla. I've known Kayla ever since her and Philip started dating. Yeah, They're married with kids now. With, yeah. yeah. I've known Kayla for ever since her and Philip started dating. And that was easily the funniest thing I ever, I ever heard or saw her say, you know, it was in a chat. That's disturbing. Please continue. <laughs> I got a belly laugh out of that. So, all right, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us on the last final episode of the Monday Morning Megaphone. Again, if you were here from the beginning, you will un you will know that the, the podcast is undergoing a rebrand, uh, which will occur this week. And then this Friday will be the very first episode of Acceptable Words. We'll be interviewing Robbie Willis um, on the longer ending of of Mark. And then the next episode of acceptable words, uh, we will have the caffeinated evangelist himself, Matthew Kelly, uh, that audio from that audio from the conversation we had. Oh, can, can you see our doggo down here? She's just, yeah, she's being cute. yeah our doggo's being cute. She <laughs> likes head scratches and head rubs. Um, so from all of us here at the Dixon household, from all of us at the Monday morning megaphone soon to be, uh, the assumed to be the Acceptable Words podcast. We bid you adieu, and we hope you will join us on this new journey.